We are in a series right now called We Are Family, and uh, there's so much that happens around tables in family life, right? It's one of the best things about um, many families, and for our family, um, I've loved helping Carrie raise the kids around a dinner table where we talk about what happened during the day, God's Word, and how both of those can collide together, and it's a great discipleship moment. I believe Jesus loved tables um, and chairs. Uh, we know that he was a carpenter, and I would have loved to see the tables and chairs that Jesus made. But he knew the importance of a good table and a good chair. And later in his ministry, he knew how to use a table to build family, to build followers, and to, to build um, his kingdom. And so this morning, I want to invite you, I'm setting the table for you right now, and I want to invite you to come to the table. We're in a family series. And again, it's at the table where we saw that Jesus did a lot of his best ministry. He shared, he shared from his heart. He talked about his father. He rebuked people at the table. He encouraged at the table. He gave instruction and he talked about challenge at the table as well. So I want to invite you to come to this table. Trent asked me to give you guys just a little bit of an insight into my family life um, and some of my table experiences. And uh, about four years ago, when we were coming to this church, my mom started to develop dementia and Alzheimer's. And over the last four years, there's been a journey of uh, what happens with that horrible disease. And many of you have walked that, and there's been a slide, obviously, uh, over time. And then there has been moments, especially in the last six months, where I've traveled back to Texas, and my dad and my brother and my sister, we gathered around tables like this, and we talked family. We talked about what happens in a family, and my mom was care, uh, a caregiver for us through the years. Uh, truth be told, she spoiled my dad and the rest of us really, really well. And now the tables are turned, and it's our chance to love on her and to serve her in ways and to make sure that she's cared for and, and provided. So the one that's been pouring into us, we now want to pour back into her. So through um, some chairs and table discussions, my brother and sister and dad and I, we, had, we made some decisions, like you make decisions in your family about what's best for mom and best for the family. And I'm grateful to say that through those table discussions, my dad was um, the dad and he, he led us as far as he can lead. And my brother stood, stepped up and he led and my sister led and we had great unity around the table. And it's just a picture of what we are as a family as well. You're my brothers and you're my sisters, and this is a time for family. And this morning we're gonna have a family uh, chat and there's gonna be some big news shared this morning, just like many of your at table time discussions in your family, you share big, big news, but everything's gonna be okay too. So that's, as a dad, one of the things I get to say is we've got some big news at the table tonight, but everything's gonna be okay. And I wanna tell you guys, everything's gonna be okay, but there is gonna be some big news. 3 John 4 is a great dad's verse, great parent verse. It's also a great pastor verse. The verse is, um, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. I'm going to ask Trent and Andrea if you guys will come. Trent um, and Andrea came to be a part of this church and start this church 13 years ago. I'm inviting Trent right now um, as senior pastor, and I'm inviting Andrea as a senior pastor's wife, but more, I'm inviting my friend Trent and my friend Andrea to come and have a seat and sit at this table and share with you. And even closer than that, my brother Trent and my sister Andrea, we're going to have a family chat together. And they have no greater joy than to know that you are walking in the truth. And so this morning, with that, I'm going to stop talking and walk away from the table. 
Well, as you guys know, I'm an only child, and so when we talk about brothers and sisters, I have no idea what you guys had to experience with brothers and sisters, and yet uh, I've gotten to experience that because uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ and certainly consider Wes like a brother, and it's good to have Brother Micah back. Uh, The church I was in when I first met the Lord, uh, we didn't refer to the pastoral staff as Pastor Trent or Pastor Tyler or Pastor Wes. We called them brothers. So it was Brother Bob, it was Brother Mike and all that. And so uh, that is very much in line with uh, what we have been studying in the scripture. We are God's family. And so uh, if we could have, we would have invited you all over to our family table, but um, our house is not that big and we couldn't fit everybody in. So we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna kind of replicate that here this morning. Wes mentioned there's big news. There is big news, but there is no bad news. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is not bad news. Some of you like, I wanna hear it first before I actually agree with that. And so we're gonna share that in just a moment. I'm not gonna preach a sermon this morning. Uh, But I am going to refer you to a lot of Scripture, and we're going to see how God's been moving in our family and in this family as well. So here's the news. After a very long season of seeking the Lord and seeking counsel from a lot of friends and family, um, Andrea and I are convinced that God's call on my life to be the lead pastor here at Gospel City Church is coming to an end over the next four to five months. Everybody take a breath. It's gonna be okay. And uh, the Lord has opened a door for both Andrea and I to actually take what we have learned and loved here and replicate it in other churches, other homes, other families, other individuals literally around the world. I'm going to tell you more about that in just a minute. But this morning, we want to do four things. Number one, uh, we want to invite you into the process because we are brothers and sisters and this is, this is what's happening within the family. We want to tell you where the Lord is sending us and why we believe it's good and right. And we also want to reassure you as family that the family is strong. And this is a great church. It's gonna, be con- it's gonna continue to be a great church. Now, uh, before we get into some of the details of that, let's just talk about some of the family history here, okay? Um, you guys know that we planted this church along with 13 other people about 13 years ago. And yet the Lord's call on our lives uh, began much sooner than we <laughs> planted this church. I was 41 years old when we planted this church. So I had 41 years of seeking the Lord, following the Lord. I met the Lord when I was 15 through a church that was committed to making disciples in uh, my hometown of Lawton, Oklahoma. I was discipled by my youth pastor through the youth ministry there. And, and when I was about 16 years old, I was so in love with the Lord and his church and the Great Commission. I told the Lord, that I will go anywhere and I will do anything. And God has taken me very seriously on that prayer. And so after I graduated from college, the Lord sent me to Memphis, Tennessee, far away from my home in Oklahoma, to go to seminary and uh, learn how to handle the scripture with... uh, 
uh, without messing it up. And then soon after that, I became a youth pastor in northeastern Arkansas, Newport, Arkansas, a little church there. I was their first full-time youth pastor and... Um, it was my first full-time pastoring position. Neither one of us knew what we were doing. But about six months into that time, um, I met you. Yeah, so I grew up going to church. I was in church every time the doors were open, but I did not understand the gospel. I didn't get it. My life didn't change until I was about 22 years old and I met the Lord then. And he changed, began to change everything everything about me. Um, when Paul preaches, he says he would go from house to house preaching faith towards God and repentance toward Jesus Christ. Well, I'd had faith for a long time, but I finally repented and God began just to change my heart. So um, I graduated from college. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do with my life. And um, my parents knew about this traveling ministry called Life Action Ministries. So I auditioned, I made it into Life Action Ministries, and our team went to the church in Newport, Arkansas, where Trent was the youth pastor. What'd you think? <laughs> I, uh, I thought you were a little intense. But you, you thought I was cute. Cute enough to keep talking to you. Okay. She, I've heard her say she thought I was cute but kind of arrogant. So I thought she was cute and humble. So um, I kind of leaned into that a little bit. She left town because it was two weeks and they went to the next church. But I kind of chased her around the country a little bit. And uh, all of a sudden, I had a new burden to join Life Action Ministries. And so uh, I met the Lord in revival. I met uh, my wife and began a romance. And so uh, that's what uh, translated to us actually being in this part of the country. We married a year later and we began this crazy life of traveling, living in an RV travel trailer, traveling to different churches, living on different church parking lots. Children started to show up in between meetings and we just kept going. And uh, so we had these four uh, kids on the road, living in this trailer. We did that for 15 years. And those last couple of years were really sweet. We were growing in influence. We were growing in leadership. Um, we built a home in Buchanan because we thought, hey, let's just do this the rest of our lives. And then I met, um, I started meeting these guys and asking them what they did. And they started telling me, I'm a church planter. I'd never heard of such a thing. And that sparked some curiosity, so much so that I couldn't sleep at night anymore. And I thought, what, what if you could actually pour your life into one location, one church? What if you were able to like preach verse by verse through the whole Bible and just see what God would do if he would build that? And, and uh, so the Lord began to stir and he sent us to Granger, Indiana. So, um, you know, I told Andrew, I, like, I think the Lord's calling us to plant a church. And she was like, Orlando would be a great place to plant a church. And we're like, no, I think it's going to be northern Indiana. She's like, I'd like to live next to the beach. I'm like, they've got one 30 minutes away. It's in Lake Michigan. Water temperature is 55 degrees all year round. It's wonderful. And so anyway, it was a little bit of a shock, but faithfully, Lord um, allowed us, gave us the grace to do that. And I remember one of the most traumatic experiences of my life was 
the day that I had to take my life action credit card and actually give it back. And the realization was we are starting over with nothing. The Lord's going to have to provide everything that we need. And I remember that feeling because I, I loved traveling. Yes, the trailer was hard. Like I remember coming home with Leah, the fourth kid, and we're in a 45-foot trailer. We didn't have another home, just 45 feet. That's it. And I've got this little baby, and I'm looking around. Where do I put her? Where do I put the stuff? I don't know. But I loved um, what we were able to do. I was able to disciple the college-age girls that traveled with us. I was speaking to the women in the churches at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. Um, Trent was teaching family material at that time. So we'd get to partner with teaching. And I just loved what God was allowing us to do. And then when God said, we're gonna make this shift, we're gonna send you to Northern Indiana where you're planting a church. I remember that feeling of like, we're leaving all this that we've built and Lord, we've got like nothing. There's nothing here to start with except him, right? And he's enough. So how many of you would affirm that that was the right decision and you're glad we did that? Yeah, so here we are. And the Lord has done amazing things because of that step of faith. And so another part of the story is this. In 2006, before we planted this church, um, we were very graciously invited to join the speaker team of Family Life. Now, understand two different ministries we're talking about, Life Action Ministries based in Buchanan, Michigan, and Family Life. Um, family Life um, has been, um, uh, is, is a ministry, it's, it's 40 years old, and, and uh, it was a wonderful honor to be able to uh, begin to lead these Weekend to Remember marriage conferences. And many of you know at times we're gone because we're leading a, a Family Life uh, marriage weekend in another part of the country. And in a normal year, we do that about four, five times a year. Well, recently, Family Life reached out to us about some key leadership positions that they had opened. And they asked us if we would step into those positions. And after a lot of prayer and counsel, we have said yes. And so my new role at Family Life will be Vice President of Content Development. Now, if you know me, I'm pretty passionate about gospel-centered disciple-making content. And so that's what I've been asked to come and do to help um, clarify the message and further the mission of making every home a godly home. Um, you may not know about Family Life. Family Life has a global reach um, impacting over 100 countries. Uh, they're served by 300 full-time staff, 1,200 volunteers that are committed to family discipleship and marriage mentoring within local churches and beyond. Um, probably best known for those Weekend to Remember Marriage conferences. How many of you have been to a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Weekend? I see some of those hands out there. And then you may know about Family Life Today, which is a daily radio program and podcast that reaches over 4 million people every month. You may know the names Dennis Rainey, Bob Lapine that have given uh, leadership uh, to this ministry for many years. And now Dennis and Bob um, were the first generation leaders. They've passed the baton 
to the second generation. So David Robbins is the new president of Family Life and David has asked me to step into this uh, role um, that was previously held by Bob Lapine as content um, development uh, lead there. So that's part of the role. And um, they're not just interested in me, they're interested in you too. Well, we've, we've loved serving with Family Life and honestly, we've needed it. Like every time we go to a weekend to remember, I'm listening to the other speaker and then I'm listening to what's coming out of my mouth and I'm like, yes, this is truth, this is right, I need to be obeying this. It's been a blessing for us to get to be a part of that. And you guys may be familiar with Bob Lapine, he's been here and he's preached here in our church. Bob's been a great friend, a great mentor as, as he's just spoken the word graciously over our hearts. And during these 13 years, I've watched Trent just swimming in the stream of all things family, of all things Bible, of all things marriage. He has got a deep well <laughs> that he has developed of just wisdom of marrying the Bible and family and then pouring that out in a gracious way. So honestly, as the pastor's wife, I have been able to watch God behind the scenes, just building Trent for this role. And yet, I really think they just kind of created a spot for me so they could get her. Um, if you've been around Andrea, if you've sat under her teaching, her ministry, you know her heart, her passion, her love for people, and then her ability to bring insight from God's Word and apply it in ways that are life-changing for women. I've watched her grow in that through the years, and we partner, we do best when we are partnering together to build things and minister together, and this role really gives us an opportunity to do that. Um, this is a step of faith for us. We want you to know that. And I want you to know this. We are not going to be taking a salary from family life. This is a donor-funded uh, position. And so uh, before we can go step into these new roles, we're going to have to trust the Lord for His provision. And uh, we plan to be here through the fall. Um, and as the Lord provides, probably sometime after the the new year, we will relocate to Orlando where the Family Life offices are. Did I hear somebody say amen to Orlando? Did I hear somebody say that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, these ladies have carried the burden, I think. And, My Malawi and, friends who like things warm. <laughs> uh, that's right. So in this transition period, uh, my role is going to change around here. Um, uh, uh, from senior pastor to lead pastor, for preaching, and so I'll be preaching once or twice a month, and yet I'll be leading the preaching team from our staff, and you guys know that uh, we've got a deep bench around here, and uh, we've been developing preachers and teachers. We're going to be just fine in that transition period. As you've already heard, next week, Mike is going to be preaching, and that's not related to this announcement. That's related to the fact that next week, I'm sending my last two kids off to college. So Allie's going back to Cedarville University where she is a senior nursing student there and she's taken along little Leah. Little, she's not little anymore, but that's our last kid and Leah's starting college uh, next week. So next weekend we're going to um, take them to college and then I'll be back in the pulpit on August 22nd, back in the pulpit on August 29th 
where we will continue the We Are Family series and we are going to remember this church on August 29th in the church rally. I would love to baptize some of you that still need to make professions of faith um, as you have surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. So as we've sought counsel from friends, we want to kind of bring you into the decision-making process and it really has been um, a journey for us in searching the scriptures and understanding how the Lord calls. Um, I want you to know, first of all, as people have asked me the question, um, is God calling you to do this? This is the way that I've answered them. I know without a doubt my highest calling in life is to simply be a surrendered worshiper and disciple of Jesus Christ and fulfill the Great Commission, which is the calling of every surrendered disciple of Christ. Number two, my second highest calling is to love and lead and cherish this woman. And so she makes it look easy, but being married to Trent Griffith is not as easy as it looks. Um, I'm kind of intense <laughs> about building things like churches and disciples. And so um, the intensity that it takes me, the focus that it takes me to prepare a message and to think about leading this church and leading you, um, it, it's, a, it's always been a challenge for me to be present when I'm with Andrea. I can be distracted and have everything else on my mind. And so the Lord has really convicted me about this and my responsibility to cherish Andrea. And he really brought that to my attention in a very unusual way. Um, a few years ago, uh, right before our sabbatical in the fall of 2019, I got this book in the mail, just randomly. I didn't order it. Um, it's by Robert Walgamuth. You may know Robert as the husband of... Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth, and he wrote a book about what it's like to be married to Nancy, I guess, because it's called Like a Shepherd, and it says, leading your marriage with love and grace. So I opened it up, and uh, Robert wrote a nice little note in there to me. He said, dear Trent, God bless you with his, I can't read his handwriting, but eventually it says this. It says, see page 89. So I flip over to page 89, and I read these words. In Joshua's final speech to God's chosen people before entering the promised land, he told them, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing a place of rest for you and will give you this land, Joshua 1.13. And then he says, after centuries of slavery, travel, disruption, chaos, and pain, God was giving his people a homeland so they could rest. If you understand the biblical word rest, it doesn't mean take a nap. It means to be in a place of peace. It means shalom. It means to be perfectly aligned in the presence of God, a place of rest. And then the next paragraph says this. My friend and pastor, Trent Griffith, points out that Joshua went on to explain who was to benefit from this rest. And then he quotes the next verse. Your wives 
your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. God gave the promised land to the Israelites so that they could provide rest and security for their wives and their families and even their animals. And I am wondering, when did he hear me say that? I, Robert and Nancy don't regularly come to our church. So I went back in my notes and I, I had preached a series on Joshua. Did, is anybody around in like 2016 when I, we preached verse by verse through Joshua? It was called the Onward series, remember that? And so apparently Robert and Nancy had shown up for that one service. I went back in my notes to see, because I do not remember saying that. And I had nothing in my notes related to those statements. Apparently I had just extemporaneously kind of off the cuff said those things. And God sent Robert to my church to take my notes so that he could put it in his book so that three years later, before I started my sabbatical, I could read back to myself the things that I was preaching to others to hear from myself. The next paragraph says this. These are Robert's words. We are responsible as husbands for taking our wives to a place where they can rest just as our shepherd takes us to the same place, we have been called to this responsibility by virtue of our marriage. So we don't need to ask permission to do this. God cut me deeply through that statement and impressed upon me my responsibility to lead and love Andrea above any other responsibility, including leading and loving this church. And so, as we wrestle with this decision, I want you to know it's very much about prioritizing my responsibility to Andrea. Um, a few weeks ago, as we were wrestling with this decision, and man, we were just back and forth between fear and faith. This is crazy. We shouldn't leave. It would be so much easier to stay and just kind of ride into the sunset. Um, we were down in Orlando and we were investigating and exploring and does the Lord want us to do this? And on the last day we were there, I got an email from someone who used to attend our church um, who was here during the Onward series and yet they are now a part of the church we planted up in St. Joseph, Michigan under Pastor Jamie Maxim's leadership up there. And um, I haven't received an email from this person in three years and yet here comes the email and it just simply said this. It said, just wanted to say thanks, best teaching I've ever heard on faith. And then he attached a picture of his journal. Apparently he had taken notes when I preached that just a month after Robert heard the message on rest. Here's a picture of his journal. And I know you can't read that, but here's some of the things that was in that message. Faith is believing God's word and acting on it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. Faith renounces self-reliance. Faith marches through seasons of doubt. Faith understands it's not about me. Faith obeys God with precision. And so for us to take this step really is a matter of surrender, a matter of obedience, and a matter of faith. God's requiring us to take this step, and we know how it affects you as well. 
Yeah, so I've loved reading through the New Testament with you guys, and we've wrestled big time with, is God calling us? Is this something that God is wanting us to do? And um, all through the Gospels, when Jesus was calling his disciples, he would call them, but then the places he would send them were not always the conventional places. You didn't know what to expect when Jesus called and then Jesus sent. And then all through the book of Acts, um, it looks different when Paul is talking and Jesus is at work among his people. Um, there's, there, come with me, you've read this in Acts, you know what this is about. But the story of when God told Philip, I want you to go here. And Philip went to this place and there's an Ethiopian reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip says, hey, do you understand that? And he says, no, I don't. Philip gets in the chariot and explains it. And then other times God calls a different way. There's so many different ways all through the book of Acts. Sometimes the apostles moved and they went just because in the scripture it says, it seemed good to us to go. It seemed good. God opened this door, so we stepped through it. Um, there were times that people were telling Paul, don't go, don't go. If you go, you're gonna face persecution. And Paul would say, I know that, but God is telling me to go. And just looking at all the different ways that God calls, um, really for me, it's just come back to the heart. One of my favorite verses is, um, when God is talking and he says, these people draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Implication, don't be like that. Don't keep your heart far from God. And so as we've repeatedly just brought our hearts and said, Lord, here we are, what are you saying? What do you want us to do? We wanna surrender, we wanna be obedient just bringing our heart again so that we can listen, so that we can hear, so when the Spirit speaks, we just move um, like what we see in the scripture. And I think it just comes down to individuals. What's God saying? Are we drawing near with our hearts and we're leaning in and listening? So for those of you that have been reading through the New Testament in 100 days as a church, you know what we've been reading. We're reading the same thing you're reading. And uh, just a few weeks ago, the Lord captured my heart with one of the passage that passages that we've read, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 through 18. And it really sums up what our hope is as we walk through this next season. It's the hope that I have for you, the hope that we have for us, it simply says this. It says, we have the hope that as your faith increases, our area of ministry will be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond you. So let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. For it is not the one commending himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. So I have these three hopes. First of all, I hope that your faith will continue to increase. You know our discipleship pathway around here. Glorify, gather, grow, and go. Our faith must increase so that we can finally get to the final step to go. We really are serious about going. We really are serious about living sent to get the gospel to places where it is not 
where it is not known and where it is not obeyed. So that's our hope. It's, it's that no matter what happens, no matter what the future holds, that your faith would continue. Paul was an itinerant church planner. He would go one place, he'd get the thing started, he'd build up, and then he's like, I gotta go over here because there's more work to do over here. And in a sense, we've, we've kind of always sensed that compelling ambition. And then my hope is that our area of influence will be greatly enlarged. And when I say our, I don't mean our, I mean our influence will be greatly enlarged. Again, we want to take the things that you love about this church and we want to inject those into other churches and other homes and other families, other individuals. So we see this as an extension to get the gospel to the regions even beyond Michiana. That's ambitious. And we've had to wrestle even with the tension between godly ambition and selfish ambition. How do you know if like you want to do something is like, is that selfishly motivated or is that something that God's put in your heart? And the reality is the the Great Commission does not get fulfilled without ambition. Um, How do you know the difference between godly ambition and selfish ambition? It's the third thing. Our hope is that we will all boast exclusively in the Lord. If we boast only in the Lord, then our motives can be pure. If we're boasting in what we have built, that's a selfish ambition. So our hope is that we will all boast exclusively in the Lord. Trent and Andrea didn't build this church. Jesus built this church and he promised to continue to build his church. And so the good news is he's not going anywhere. He will continue to build his church. And we, we love this church. Um, for 13 years, you've allowed us to serve among you. And I look out, I see so many people that I've worked with at VBS and I've worked with back in the children's ministry, people on the worship team that we've just poured our heart out in worship to the Lord. And um, you guys have sharpened us. You've made us better. Um, You guys have encouraged us. You've come alongside. As a mom, I just want to say thank you for letting us raise our kids here. Um, Brooke, under Micah, you know, leading worship and all of our kids developing their gifts here, Um, Leah serving so many times, and you guys have been just a safe place for us to raise our kids and grow among you. And so thank you. We, We love you. We know that, again, I just want to reiterate what Trent has said. We didn't build this church we have had a front row seat to watch God build his church. And he says in his scripture, he will build his church. I've been running to the verses where Jesus says he is the head and he builds his church and we are just growing up underneath him. And it's Jesus that's built this and we've just had a front row seat to watch him at work. I know some of you are here in this church because of a traumatic experience related to a pastor quitting or failing or some trauma related to that. I know that some of you have muscle memory that's kicking in right now thinking, this is awful, this is tragic, and there's got to be like some kind of scandal involved. And, and I, we just want to tell you, you've heard all the drama, that's it. <laughs> We're not mad at anybody. 
Um, no, I, if, I don't think there's anybody mad. Nobody's forcing us out. If you're mad at us, please let us know. We'll try to clear that up. But we're just simply trying to take the step of faith the Lord has given to us. Jesus is still the head of this church as he has always been. This church still has 14 pastors and elders to lead you in the mission of glorifying God and making disciples. Right now, this church has one more pastor or elder than it had founding members. You're in good shape. This church still has a plurality of elders and pastors ready to provide servant leadership just as the way it always has been. This church is still committed to the unapologetic preaching of God's word. This church still believes firmly in the power of prayer. This church is still a model for other disciple-making Great Commission churches around the world. This church still has a brand new gathering place that is made for more discipleship and this church is now debt free because you gave enough last week in the offering to make the final payment that will be happening this week. The next few months for us is going to be filled with grief and gratitude for us. And so I want to ask you to do two things. Number one, would you pray for us? And number two, would you stay? Last Sunday night, we led a membership class. 104 people showed up to make themselves candidates to be members of their church, and they brought their children, of course. And so uh, we need you. You are needed. You are vital. If you are new to this church, you are crazy if you tap out at this point. You are going to be served and loved, and you're going to watch this church do what it was designed to do better than it ever has been before. I want to remind you of what our theme for this year is out of John 15. What's the word? Abide, which means stay, remain, dwell, don't run away, stay connected to the vine. There's more fruit to be produced as long as you are willing to realize you're nothing but a stick. And that's all that we've been. Stay connected to the vine. And we love our staff here. I tell people... I don't even know how God brought the staff that we have. I just feel like you guys must have been praying because every staff, every wife, every elder, just, they love the Lord. They have pure hearts. They're surrendered. They just want to get the gospel out and get the gospel right. And so as you stay, please lean into the staff. Um, Send them encouraging texts. Find out how you can serve underneath them, ways that you can serve them. Um, God is at work here, and he's brought amazing people to build his church. So the elders are going to come uh, to the platform right now. And I know what the top question is right now in all of your minds. It's this. Well, who's going to be the next senior pastor at Gospel City Church? And the official answer to that question is... We don't know. And when we do, we'll let you know. But the first question is probably not that question. The first question is probably what kind of leader does this church need? What kind of leadership does this church need? And once we begin to answer those questions, then the Lord will make it clear who 
is going to lead next. Don't assume it's somebody external. Don't assume it's somebody internal. We're going to be open-handed about that. And uh, we know that the best days of Gospel City Church are ahead of us. We're here. And uh, again, we've got our elders and our pastors here. Uh, so what we've heard this morning, again, family news um, and big news, but not bad news. Our discipleship pathway, glorify, gather, grow, and go. And if you're a husband this morning, I hope you feel challenged by Trent's transparency before you about some action that he is taking. He's rejecting passivity and accepting responsibility. He's doing Ephesians 5 before you, and we're going to keep tracking with you and hold you accountable to that as you have to us. There was a, a quote that was quoted on this stage back in February when we had the plant conference. Dave Harvey quoted this from David Pinman. No church can afford to go without the, the encouragement in the nourishment that comes from sending away its best people. And so our senior pastor and the founding couple, they're not exempt from that as well. We've been talking about Living Scent for at least the last four years, and one of the key principles of Living Scent is you accept the possibility and the inevitability and the responsibility to send your best. Last year, we planted two churches, and you saw all of those people that were up on the stage last year, and they were some of the best, and you sent them. So that's part of the, the growth process. We've talked about pruning and things like that, and this is part of that. And there's no tragedy in the sending. There's only goodness in the sending. But this is going to be a slow, warm goodbye uh, as well. You're going to have time uh, to talk and talk to them and talk to the church. And again, God is sovereign. Jesus is in control here. We don't have all of the answers to all of the questions, but we do know who does, and we are family. A couple of your family members, your brothers, are going to encourage you now. First of all, Dr. Keith Twitty. Anybody says doctor first, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Keith. I just wanted to take a few minutes on behalf of the elders just to, to talk a little bit about what we've just heard, but also what that means for each of us. Um, it is big news, and it is good news. For everybody involved, I think God's still at work. He's still building His church. But I just want to affirm um, what you've already heard from Wes and from them that Trent and Andrea are following God's call in their life. They've been faithful in coming here. They're going to be faithful in going to family life. God's going to bless in that. But don't miss opportunities to tell them ways that you've been impacted by them um, in the coming months as God brings them to mind. I also just want to acknowledge that change is hard. It's hard because we like to be comfortable. We like to be right where we're at and not have to move. But it also doesn't require much faith to do that. So change is good because it requires faith. It requires us to step into the unknown, to not know what's ahead and what's next, and just to realize the reality that we're always utterly dependent on God. Everything that He's done has been Him, not us, not Trent and Andrea. It's been God at work in our community. So just remember that. But it's still hard. And as we process this in the coming days, we're going to have lots of emotions and lots of questions that come up. I just want to talk briefly about that, for what that means for all of us, with what you're feeling. There'll be times you're going to feel grief and hurt, times you're going to have joy and laughter, um, remembering things and reminiscing things that God has done. Embrace that. Lean into it. That's good. It's healthy. You know, for God to, to do that in and, in and through us. But also, I'm going to tell you some do's and don'ts with what to do with those emotions. 
just as I've been able to get a little head start on you going through this, because we've been walking through this with them. One is do pour those into good for the glory of God. So when you're feeling those emotions, pour them out in tangible ways by the one another's. Love one another, encourage one another, build one another up in the truth. And one of my favorites is um, in Romans 12, 10, outdo one another in showing honor. You know, as, as you think through those things that you've been impacted by, both from the Griffiths and from each other and other leaders, don't wait. Take opportunity to show honor by telling them, calling out the good that God has done through them in your life. That's a blessing to you and to them and it builds up his church. But a couple of the don'ts to do with your emotions, don't let fear have a place in your, in your heart, in your life, or anxiety about what's ahead. God spends a lot of time in his word saying, fear not, cast your anxieties upon me, be anxious for nothing. He keeps reminding us that because he knows our tendency is to do that. So don't be anxious, trust him through this. The other, don't be divisive. We've seen enough of that in the world this past year. God does not want it in his church. As we've been reading through the 100 days, one thing I see in Jesus' prayer for the church, but also in Paul's letters over and over, is his desire for oneness. There were to be one body and one spirit under one God. That's what he desires for us. So don't let those emotions lead to any bitterness or divisiveness. We're here to build each other up and to let God continue to build his church. Um, the other thing is, let's celebrate. God's at work. He's continuing to build his church. We heard some great things this morning already of just how he has built the church to a place that it has strong pastors and leaders and, and folks in place. Trent and Andrea have done a have played a big part in discipling that and making it happen, but that's something to celebrate. The facility that we have is paid off. That's unbelievable in the short time that we've been here. Um, celebrating also that his mission for us and for this church hasn't changed. We're still gonna be about making disciples and glorifying God. That hasn't changed where they're going and what they're doing, it hasn't changed for us. So we have much to celebrate in this season as well. So I just wanna encourage us to encourage one another to press on. To Justin. This is Dr. Justin Butler. Dr. Justin. Dr. Justin. <laughs> Thank you, Wes. Um, as, as elders, we were motivated to, you know, get this out on the table uh, sooner than later because we want you to understand that we value transparency. And you heard Pastor Trent say there, there's no scandal, there's no tragedy. This is a call that God has put on the hearts of Pastor Trent and Andrea. And one of the reasons that we wanted to, to, to get this to you is because as your elders and pastors, we believe firmly in the call of our, our duty to pray and to teach. But we want to invite you to pray along with us through this process. Um, Pastor Trent will often say in a sermon, turn to your neighbor and say, and if I could have you do that, it would be this. We don't know what's next, but we wanna invite you as family to pray alongside of us because we do know who's in control. And so if, if we could bring three things before you to pray for, it would be just that. One, pray for wisdom and clarity to know what's next, to know what the Lord has in store for us as a body and as a church. Two would be to pray for Pastor Trent and Andrea as they venture into unknowns and walking in faith as the Lord takes them on this new journey. Pray for them. 
Uh, pray as they navigate through the challenges that that will be. And then thirdly, pray for one another. Pray that God would protect our church from gossip and untruths, things that are unhealthy. We pray that this church would be made known by the prayers of its people, that we would be filled with the truths of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the, the fruits that we want to be known by one to another. And then we would certainly be amiss this morning to not remind ourselves the one who is constant, the one who is sovereign, and the one who is good. Jesus Christ is still on his throne this morning. He was yesterday, he is today, and he will be tomorrow. God is good. He can't not be good. And so in these moments, hold to that truth. And um, this church is founded on opening your Bible. So I think uh, it's appropriate to finish with these words from Colossians chapter one. It says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Would you guys stand and want to let you know that this will be a slow, warm goodbye to Trent and Andrea, just like they're sending Leah and Allie back off again. They're savoring moments together. Um, so this is a time to savor your friendship and cultivate your friendship. And, and just to, uh, let, me, let me give you a, a tip of what would be very helpful to them. Obviously praying, but uh, if, if you have been impacted by their ministry in some specific way, would you tell them that some specific way that the Lord used their faithfulness to come here to share him with you. That would be a great thing. I'm going to ask Pastor Tyler Holder if he would lead us in prayer. Let me ask everyone, would you mind just, if you're comfortable, open palms to the Lord. Lord, have your way. I surrender all for them, for the Griffiths, for my family, and for this church. Let's pray. Father, you are a gracious God. And Lord, we sit humbly at your feet right now asking that you direct our steps. Lord, your word declares to us that you have given us pastors and elders so that the body of Christ might be built up, so that we might all strive together for the work of the gospel. And Father, it is amazing to see what has been done through the gifts that you've given us in Pastor Trent and Andrea. So we don't despise those. We love those. We cherish those. We thank you for this beautiful gift that you've given us. And Father, we, we send out our best. Lord, I'm reminded of the elders in the church of Ephesus when they gather with, the, with Paul and they're weeping and they know this is the last time they'll see them. Father, there are tears of joy that will come to us over the next few days. Lord, there is a sweet remembrance that will come to us. Father, may we not 
um, neglect sharing that. So Father, this is your church. You have built it. You have established it and you will see it through. So that we trust you, we exalt your name forever and we ask Jesus that you be glorified here, now, and forevermore. Amen. We don't have much time left, but uh, we can't take all that in without leaving and responding to the goodness of God. And one of the best things about Pastor Trent and Andrea, um, awesome communicators, awesome disciples, awesome partners in ministry, but they're worshipers of Jesus Christ. And uh, he shared with me that this song over and over that we sing sometimes uh, really ministered to them through processing all summer long. And it's this challenge that I lay myself down at the altar over and over again, over and over again. From fear to faith, I'm constantly surrendering and sometimes it feels like I'm doing it over and over again. And yet God is faithful in that. I want to challenge you. Maybe you need to lay some things down even this morning at the altar as we continue, as we end, as we walk out of this place. So make this a prayer. I'm standing on the edge
So at the end of the services, uh, you always hear three words. And before I officially say them, I just want to say to Trent and Andrea, you are loved. And we're great, grateful for what we've learned this morning and following um, your direction. We want to be faithful as disciples when we hear faith stories to also ask ourselves, Lord, is there anything you want me to do? Anything you want me to do differently too? Because um, again, 3 John 4, Trent would have no greater uh, joy than to know that his children are walking in the truth. So you follow the Lord, however the Lord's leading you to, to do that. Uh, during COVID, our staff had five resolutions and they seem to be appropriate for whatever's ahead here. We don't know what they are, but when we're having a family talk, this is how I would end the family talk today. Um, these were the resolutions. We resolve no matter what, that the gospel's gonna get in and the gospel's gonna get out. Number two, we resolve that no matter what, God will be glorified in this season. Number three, we resolve disciples will be made, no matter what. Number four, we resolve to live the one another's. And number five, we resolve to keep our humor. You are loved.